We are not our name, we are not our race, we are not our sexuality, they're just experiences. We are consciousness, infinite awareness, having experience. What's up, student of the universe? Welcome back to another episode of Speak Your Truth. And to be honest, I'm really excited today. Um, today, I have a guest, Carlos, here at the show. And we're going to talk about a topic which fascinates me like since I'm a kid. And what we're going to talk about is movement. So, Carlos, it's nice to have yes. you on the show. Welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Um, um, I'm really glad you asked me. I know we've been talking about... a. Uh, do it's it seems like it's been like a, a year that we've been talking about yeah, doing this. So. I know, I know, I know. Mm. It's been so long. Like I, I remember when I first saw you on the streets, like in Obud, and I was like, Man, I love what you do. We should definitely start something or record a podcast or whatever. And all those things happen and now here we are a few months later. But finally we did it and we're doing it right now. Um, yeah, so and it's really and it's amazing. Fun. The, the the way that you brought that you brought up Ubud, it's it's such a it's such a strange place. There's so many strange characters just walking down the street all the time that someone to stop you and be like, "Hey, I'd like to record." It, it doesn't even seem that weird. It'd be like, "Yeah, awesome, man. Let's let's do it." Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I just saw you and I was like, "I know him. I know him." And what he's doing is amazing. <laughs> so I have this is the thing. Like for me, it's just like there's so much knowledge out there and so different approaches and so many different views and so many different topics. So by sharing it, it's just and, and inviting the people, you know, like to talk about what they love to do and what they love to talk about and teach about and coach about. Like, I think it's just another beautiful form to actually just share their knowledge with whoever's out there listening. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, um, I think I would love to start this episode with asking you, when did you actually develop the fascination for movement? Because... The way you move, and I'm pretty sure everyone who did a teacher training with you or who was on your Instagram and everyone who doesn't know you yet, definitely check out his Instagram because his approach to movement is definitely unique and unique in a way that he has his own kind of approach, what I'm really, really into it. So when was it that you developed this fascination for movement and what is movement for you? Wow. Um I've, I've I've been asked this question before, and I I don't know if I have one specific. Like, I I don't remember if there was one moment that it was like, okay, this is this is the moment that that movement seems interesting to me. It it didn't, in a sense. I always loved to play. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. kids, all kids like to play. Yeah. But I I always liked to play. I never. I I, I thought that I knew how to use my body. It, it seemed like I could pick things up quickly when I was a kid. Never, never really athletic. Never, you know, great at 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 sports at, at the sports in school. But but I, I I did love to play, and that went away. I mean, I, I spent I spent like a decade of my life, uh, you know, in the throes of of like pretty deep heroin addiction for a while. So movement was not even a thing. Um, and by the time I was thirty. It wasn't. It, it, I was always interested in in philosophy and 
and thought and, and existence and those kinds of things. Um, the psychedelic experience of, of being alive was, was fascinating to me. But it, it never occurred to me at that age that that movement could be, could be such a cool doorway in. So I, I would read and, and just soak up as much um, philosophy and religion and, and any writer that, that seemed to have, a poets, um, that seemed to have some flavor of, of, of the mystical and, and not in the same way that it's, that, that it's always been given, but in strange words and words that, that seemed more real. And, and the only thing that I would really do as far as movement is I would, I would go to the gym cause you know, I, I wanted to, to feel better. I wanted to, to do the things and in, in the ways that, that I grew up very kind of conservative area. I mean, you know, there was only one way to really move. You were either in sports or you go to the gym and, and gym. I was like, okay, gym. So I would go to the gym and, and I got, I liked it. I was getting bigger. It was cool. I felt something, but I was, I was getting bored. It didn't seem like the same playing that I like to do. So I would do weird things. I would, I would get the, have you ever seen those memes on Instagram of like, you know, somebody at the gym and they're like taking videos of him without him knowing. And he's doing some really outlandish weird shit on a machine yeah. that's that's not yeah that that was kind of me <clears throat> and, and it wasn't really that i didn't I, I understood how to use the machines how they wanted yeah, me to yeah, use yeah. them but but to me it was it was monkey bars it was a playground it was um it was what mm -hmm. can this do uh you know and, and i really was fascinated by by acrobatics and and how could these people do these really amazing things standing on their hands and and jumping on the floor and rolling around and and that seems so much cooler than doing a bicep curl so I, I would I would play with the machines and I and I try to figure that out, um, and then later on, it still didn't occur to me that that somehow the coolness of existence that I was that I was uncovering in all these all these amazing books could somehow be connected to to, to the play within my body, and I, I remember reading um an old Ram Dass book. It was a Journey to Awakening, and in and in the book, I mean I knew about yoga, but in the book. There was he was he was talking about coming back um, in the '60s and basically just knowing a little bit about the physical practice of yoga, but there was all these hippie kids that were just showing up at his dad's place and like hanging out on the lawn and wanting him to teach them, you know, this thing called yoga. And he's like, man, I I, I don't know that much, but he he had like this. I think it was like a moon salutation or some mm -hmm. kind of a simple sequence, and he jotted it down. He wrote these little figures down in this book. And I would go outside to my yard and I would look at this book and I'd be like, okay. And I try to do these poses. I try to do these. Poses. Um, and at this point, it, I just thought it looked cool. You know, I, I thought it, I, like it, I looked like a yogi. I was like, oh, this is, this is, and this was, <laughs> this was a while back, you know? So it was, yeah. it was, it was exotic and it, and it was different and, and I was already weird. So this was just another cool, weird thing for me to do. Um, <laughs> so I started doing this this these this little sequence i only did it for about a week i went to my sister's wedding um in the keys in florida and yeah. there was and there was a yoga class on the beach and on the sand and i i took it and yeah. it, it was it was probably the worst yoga class you could possibly imagine it was on the sand there, there was no way to set my feet right i didn't know what i was doing every joint hurt um it, it, it was uncomfortable. It was awkward. And I didn't like it. And for some reason, as soon as I got back, I was like, 
I'm taking a teacher training. I, I, I didn't know why. Um, wow. I, go ahead. Go ahead and ask me. That, that was already strange. No, like, I was like, like, it was just like, like, what I thought right now, what you would come up with was like, you know what? Like, fuck yoga. You know, right. like, because you had that experience, like, most, like, I think I would have been like, you know what? I don't like that. So I will not do it anymore. But like, that's when you said, like, you did a yoga teacher training. I was like, that's an interesting approach to step towards something which maybe seems a little bit difficult, difficult at the first place. Right. 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 And, and I absolutely agree with you. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that I was there when it happened, but I've, I've tried to go back and, and, and kind of map out how the hell did I go from that to this? And, mm. and, and I've come up over the years with, with a lot of different answers that sounded really cool, you know, that, you know, I, I was moved to start or whatever it is, whatever thing that I wanted the answer to be that makes me sound really, you know, um, special and enlightened or whatever. Yeah. But, but the, the truth is, I, I really remember, and it took me a while to get to this memory. I remember feeling that I had something that I wanted to say, that I had something that I wanted um, to talk about, to share. And it had more to do with, with, with what I have now. It wasn't in the words that I have now, but the feeling was there, this feeling of, of there's something magic in us. There's something magic in, in the words that I'm reading. And, and, and it's not, and the way that it's being given from the cultures of, of the philosophical cultures, the religious cultures, it's not that same feeling of being a little kid and being so uh, in awe when you're told about Santa Claus or when you're told about mm. a magic fairy tale. It didn't have that same feeling of magic. And, and, I, and I, there was something in me that wanted to talk about that. And I was always terrified of speaking in public, period, of being seen. So... Wow. Part of the thing was, why would anybody listen to me? And then mm. I, I, I remember thinking, well, maybe if I teach something, maybe if I teach yoga, I could, they'll, I'll have a platform to say something, to be able to teach something. And it was either yoga or Tai Chi were the two things that were interesting to me, even though I hadn't really done any, either of them with any, you know, like with any realness outside of a book. But they yeah. were interesting to me because because it felt like this thing that was trying to connect like the philosophy with, with the physical movement. But the truth is it was more like trying to force a round peg into a square hole. It didn't feel good. I didn't understand it, but I was like, I was raised up in a Catholic up in a Catholic upbringing. I was an altar boy um, for 12 Mm -hmm. years. So I was pretty used to whether you understand it or not, you go through the motions and, and the promise was eventually going through the motions, something will happen, something mm-hmm. special, something magical. You'll get it. You'll be enlightened. Um, you'll get it to heaven. What, what, whatever that is, was just kind of like do it regardless of whether you understand it or not. And, and I did. And within Tai Chi was difficult to find where I was, but there was a, a teacher training in yoga, um, I think within two weeks. So I borrowed, I, I borrowed money. I signed up for it. And having literally taken one yoga class, not doing it well, not enjoying it, I was in a teacher training uh, within two weeks of that. And 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 it and the kind of like the story continues kind of the same way. I was the only. I was way behind. I was. I, worst sounds funny now, but in my opinion back then, I was the worst one there. I couldn't hold a lunge without falling over. I just I didn't have the balance. Wow. 
I didn't understand what I was doing or why I didn't, I, I had a notebook that was um, just like a spiral bound notebook and I would write out the, the, the Sanskrit names of poses. And I mean like Aromukha Shanasana. I would write down downward facing dog and I would just write lines over and over to try to memorize these words. So I would feel like mm. I wasn't falling behind. Um, but I got through it. I met some cool people. I got through it. And, and I remember being like, well, I don't get it. I don't understand the philosophy school. I get some of that. The movements mm. are kind of cool. Uh, they're they're kind of fun, like cool shapes and stuff, but how these two things come together how this philosophy and this movement come together into something special, it really seemed that not just me, but most of the people around me were, um, and I don't want to say faking it in, in a bad way. I don't mean faking it like they were trying to fool mm -hmm. others. I mean, they really wanted it to be true so badly that they were disregarding some very obvious things that were in front of them, kind of like the emperor's new clothes where where people were looking around and it's like, well, everybody else sees that the emperor is wearing this beautiful outfit. Well, maybe if I really say it really, really loud and I say that I see it too, one day I will see this. And, and that seemed like what was going on. Like we were all saying it really loudly. We all wanted really loudly for it to be true. We all wore the right colors. We all said the right things. We all spoke the right language. We were all doing the right things on the outside. But, but there was this feeling of, um, this quiet feeling of sadness, of, of almost like realizing that you peeked behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz and you saw that it was this little old guy that wasn't as magical as what you thought. And, um, mm. and that, was, that was, again, that was, that was a little bit of a darkness and it was a darkness I had, I had become used to in my life of, of, okay. being, of being, you know, enamored with magic, of being in wonder of the things that are around me and then being told, no, 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 that's not how it is. That that's, that's a childish thing. It's time to put that away. And then in yoga, in this place where I thought there was magical things like, okay, magic. And I was being told again, you know, no, this is the formula. This is what it is. It's somber. And don't worry if you don't feel it, we're all kind of pretending. And eventually, hopefully the promise of the books is you'll get there. And the truth is I had not met anyone that had done what I was being told to do that was in the place that I wanted to be or in a place where I was like, oh my God, that person, yeah. Like the thing that's behind their eyes, mm -hmm. like yeah. I wanna taste what they taste. And I- So, uh, so just real quick in between. So when you talk about that magic, right? Like, like people are looking for, or you were looking for, are you talking about like enlightenment or that that this kind of movement or specific poses would reach you toward, towards like the end of suffering or just that to clarify that also like, you know, for the listeners a little bit more maybe. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up and, and you brought up two things that, that especially when you, when, when you run in these kinds of circles and you've been doing it for a while, um, you, you hear these words and, 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 and we buy into this language and a lot of times we buy into words that we don't really know what they mean. Like we don't really know what we're talking about. If you've ever asked someone where they're like, well, enlightenment, and you really, mm. and you really sit with them for a while and being like, okay, what, what does that mean? That thing that you say that you want, that thing that you say that this is what it's for. Mm. And so I'm saying, why are you doing this? I ask that all the time. 
Like, why, why do you want this? Why are you doing this? And, and, and a word like that enlightenment, when you really start to question and dive in and, and ask someone, it's like, well, what is that? Well, it means this. I'm like, okay, what are those? Those are just words. What does that look like? Yeah. What does that taste like? What will that feel like? Why do you want enlightenment as opposed to this moment? What do you think is going to be better there that isn't mm -hmm. here? When you start to go down those questions deeply enough, we start to realize the thing that we're aiming at is such a vagueness, such a vagueness that we don't, we're, we're on a path that we say we're going to a certain destination and we're, yeah. we're not even sure what that is or if we want it or if we'll like it or if it's possible. And even something else like the end of suffering, when we start to ask, mm -hmm. well, what is suffering? What will the end of suffering look like? Will you want that? And you start to paint the world depending on what they're talking about. And you start mm -hmm. to realize how, 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 how quickly we stop at just the words without really going into what that would be. And especially something, if you're talking about enlightenment as, as a thing that we've never been to, but we want to go mm -hmm. to, we're talking about an experience that we've never had as an experience we're trying to get to without ever having had that experience to know if we want it, it becomes very, very strange when we start to put in those words, which is, which is why I, I, I like to use different words. And when I'm talking about magic, it is, mm. it, I, it has the same flavor of those things. And I do believe that when I talk about magic, the, the, the thing, again, words are clumsy. So you can see me kind of struggling and reaching for, mm. for, for these sounds that by definition, are trying to point at something that's beyond words. If there was an exact yeah. word for any of this, it wouldn't be the thing. And that's when it gets a little frustrating. But it is an experience, it's, it's a state, it's, it's an awareness, it's a perspective, it's, it's a way of seeing. It's not somewhere to go to, it's, it's a way of, mm. of experiencing this moment. And, and of being, right? Of being, of being, and, and, and again, of being in the process of understanding. Um, and, I, and I like to talk about it as an ecstatic understanding. And, and it doesn't always require words. If you've ever been um, in, in and just a, a few different examples of, of these moments that we all have, you know, just being enraptured at the beauty of a sunset to the point that your like your mouth is dropped open and mm -hmm. there's no words your breath is catching and shaky and in that one moment it's almost as if you understand everything and it's it's not as if well yeah. what do you understand it's not in that place but it's like <gasps> that moment yeah. you know you look into your your baby's eyes or into your lover's eyes or that moment of in meditation where it's like the words drop away for a second and you're in this infinite place and we used to have those all the time when we were kids it was like we literally were just walking around like going what's that what's that what's yeah. that you know and and we were there and and that's why i think a lot of times um enlightenment in in some especially chinese traditions um it's it's talked about to this return to that child to the child's eyes because it is it's it's not like we're trying to make the world magic it's not like we're trying to become worthy of that magic. It's here. That's, that's the whole game. Yeah. That's the silly thing. It's always <laughs> yeah. been here. Like you can't get away from it. It's impossible. Like a, yeah. like a fish being in water. There's no way. It, it literally is the stuff 
that we exist in, the stuff that we are, the the the, the voice that's coming out from behind my throat, uh, you know, the the the, the, the sound waves between you and me, that the it's it's all that magic. It's it's yeah. there's a hypnosis within the words and within the ideas and within the images that veil mm -hmm. us from being able to see fully what we are. So when I talk about seeing magic, it's 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 being able to see it's that perspective of understanding that magic and and it's really easy whenever i sit with someone it's really you start to talk about some of some of the things that we can do as human beings that we take for fucking granted like being able to see like like moving this this thing this weird snaky muscle inside of our mouths this gooey red um like bumpy thing and we can vibrate and I move this thing and somehow I can take creativity and imagination in my mind and I could send it across space and time and have it hit like bones in your ears that somehow take this sound and translate it into electricity which translate it into into imagination that you understand and somehow you have an experience of what it's like to be me like that is magic and that is a that's yeah. a deeper magic than fucking levitation and we've and we've yeah. stopped the ability to be able to see that magic that's in us and around us all the time i definitely agree with every single word you said like wow like to be honest like when i when i heard you talking and i, I was just sitting here like one hand on my heart and and i was just like wow like and and I totally like it resonates so much because I I remember back in the days when I first came to Bali. I was living in I was living in Dubai, working twenty four seven, working my ass off because I thought money would make me happy, status would make me happy, people would look up to me and stuff like that. And then I made like a one month holiday in Bali, and I started to one month before I went to Bali, I started to do some yoga, and for sure I come to Bali just by myself the first holiday. I made by my own, like I never went out without, without no one. So I went by myself to Bali, went to the yoga barn, to Radiant Day Alive, did meditations, breath work, yoga sessions, all those kind of things. And I remember I did a session with a guy and, and he was asking me, so, so why are you here? And I, I told him like, and that was the start of my, I would, I don't like the, the labeling spiritual journey because I think the whole life is the mm. journey to unravel like who you really are. But like that was the start when I slowly start to question things because I realized that money and and status and whatever it was doesn't make me happy. So I went to this guy and he asked me, so, so what do you want in life? And I was like, I want enlightenment. Right. You know, I want to be mm -hmm. enlightened. But, I, but to be honest, I never knew, I, I like, I never thought about it, like what it would be or what it is because I think also that especially nowadays through so many books and things like and reading it for the first time not not being like sitting with yourself for one minute turning inward like you read those books and then you think about oh okay so it's an experience it's and what i mean by that it's a state it's like that at one point in your life it will make click and then you will be full of bliss and full of happiness and and full of the feeling, what you call happiness, which is more like a satisfaction of desires. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? And then, and then you, and then you, and that's what you're looking mm. for. And then 
after a while, when you, you know, go down that rebel hole and you put in the work for yourself and you ask what you said, you ask questions to yourself. Then you actually realize like what it is about, you know what I mean? And that it's, that it has so much to do with actually getting to know you on so many different levels. If it's physical, mental, energetically, spiritually, like the environment you're living in, like you, you just become, like you said, you become fascinated with connecting the dots. You become fascinated by realizing that, oh, wow, like this is a meridian which is running there. Oh, this is the fascia which is connected to, oh, it's connected to my hip. So my hip mobility, oh, and this is the, oh, I have, you know what I mean? It's all connected, like, and, and this fascination, what you were talking about, like this magic, like this is where you actually start to feel like where you get those glimpses back when you were a kid, right? When you were talking about this before it was the world, right? Before you saw it, a street of ants and you were like, oh, what is that? Come here, come here, look at this. Carlos, come here, look at this. And now it's just kind of like you, you still have the nature and you look at it, but then you actually observe yourself and you actually tune back into yourself and then you're like, have you ever, Carlos, have you ever experienced this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been, like, where is this going to? You yeah. know what I mean? And then you kind of like, you become more like an explorer. Mm -hmm. You discover your own self. And for me, it, you unravel the program, which I was like, for me, it feels like I'm unraveling the program I was, I was believing into, which was holding me so small. And I kind of like reprogram my own system to actually realize like, oh, wow, like there's not just the body and the mind. There's also like an energetic system. Oh, then we have the fascia. Oh, interesting. So, and this is all connected. And, oh, wow. So spirituality, like our environment, this is energy. We are energy. So it's all, you know what I mean? And then you make those, you connect those thoughts and you actually realize like, fuck, you're way bigger. You are way more than what you actually mm -hmm. think of. Because we've been told that we are small. We're just human beings. We are no one in this world. We're just a number, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, you s and I resonate so much with what you said. Cool. And you said so many, you said so many really good things there. And, um, and, 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 and it's funny because that I, one of the things that you said that, that jumped out at me so well was um, the programming. Uh, you're redoing the, the programming and, and that's a cool thing. And, and, and I think, there's there's nothing that is wrong. There's nothing wrong with with us. There's there's nothing broken. Uh, what there is 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 ways that we've shaped ourselves, ways that we've uh, that we've built ourselves in order to to express ourselves in in the world. And and none of this is broken any more than you know why does this butterfly why is this butterfly blue when these butterflies are red the blue one is broken the red ones are are the good ones it's not that it's all part of this expression um and 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 that that idea of this 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 programming i think a lot of times in in things like and it's and it's what i saw uh in in yoga at the beginning and not as the place where i was or certain teachers but there seemed to be this um yeah, and I'll use the word th this violence to it, this violence where where we were gonna and and it's mm -hmm. not just a, a lot of spiritual practices and traditions have this this quality of of violent fixing of of imposing something and a lot of times it's not where 
where the practices start. It's, it's where they go to after a while, not from, not from the people that actually had the experience, but a lot of times for those that, that come later that are trying to follow in the paths, that are trying to follow in the footsteps of those that have experienced something. And, and what they want or what we do is, is we want steps. We want steps to force ourselves mm-hmm. to be better. Um, <clears throat> we want to mm-hmm. impose a better way of movement. We want to um, overcome the body. We want to overcome our minds as, as, as if there's two, two things, right? There's, there's the me yeah. that's spiritual and we even have words for it, like the higher, the higher self. There, there's the higher good me yeah. and then there's the lower bad me. And then the higher good me has to overcome yeah. the lower yucky bad me because it's the, it's the good me that's the higher me. And even within that, there is this, this fracture that, that we're putting ourselves against ourselves. And there already is this dislike or hatred and it's, and it's, and it's subtle and it's not something that's obvious. We talk about self-love, but then we talk about pain as an illusion and we talk about self-love and the glory of the human being. But then we're saying, practice this, follow this teacher. Don't question this, you know, sit in meditation in this shape. It's, it's the practice is perfect. It's you that needs to force yourself you, the less perfect you needs to force yourself within this practice. And what tends to happen um, psychologically, especially is that we take what you talked about as being the patterning as being our perspective, the way that we see the world and ourselves, um, this group of images that, that we've, that we've absorbed, that we see the world. Uh, and, and what we do is instead of seeing where that comes from, like looking for that magic questioning inside, we start to pile a way of being on top of that. So now we start to pile another tension on top of that. So it's, it's like taking um, the sutras, the yamas and the niyamas on top of someone that's mm-hmm. hurt. So yeah, you take a himsa, you take something, you know, um, you know, don't hurt anything, you know, nonviolence. And you take it and you put it on top of someone that's never dealt with some pain or that's angry and sad and hurt and they're holding it physically and they're protecting themselves and they come to yoga and they're told, well, practice nonviolence. Okay. So they're forcing this outwards Mm. thing, this outward outfit, this outward costume on this inward tension that feels violent and it feels angry. And we're putting this on top of it. And all we're doing is we're basically shearing this person. We're putting them in conflict with themselves. And what, one of the things that I was seeing in the way that the physical uh, practice of yoga was doing, it was the same thing. It was someone that had been moving in their body for maybe 30 years with a certain compensation. You know, they overcame whatever it was, a trauma that closed up the front of their bodies that tucked their pelvis under. And all of a sudden, you know, that rolled their shoulders forward. We've all seen it. Their head is forward. Now they're protecting the front of their body. And now we tell them, well, you know, take your hands behind your back, interlace your fingertips, fold forward and pull your hands up over your head in order to open your heart. And again, and this person is going to do their best because they want to do well and they want to feel better and they want that promise of freedom. So they start to take their body, which is wrapped up now. And we'll talk about the fascial system in a second. But this in- intelligent structure, it's, it's not a machine. It's this intelligent living structure with its own language that all of these things and compensations in the body are there because it's protected you. 
because it is magic and intelligent because it's 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 working within the environment that it's in but instead of going into that and trying to soften those tensions and like you said unraveling those compensations we're adding another level of violent tension on top of that and then it, it goes okay well you know we get someone to stand tall and it's like well we'll take your shoulders back pin your shoulders back good now pull your shoulder blades down away from your ears good now slide your throat back. and now we're giving all of these people on top of this locked up body another tension on top muscular squeeze and that's what that's what that tension is it's this muscular squeeze on top of this already tense body that what it does instead of leading to more freedom it leads to a to a different looking prison where, where it ends up being a way to um rework the furniture inside your prison instead of stepping out of the prison and going outside so in that way that i was seeing what yoga was doing it didn't make the, the the i understood the questions of yoga were really interesting but the answers that I was being given as as far as well this is this is the practice and this is how you move and especially that this is why it didn't make a lot of sense it sounded like people that were um like an old game of telephone if you were in school and like you would whisper mm -hmm. in your friend's ear you know they would give you a sentence and you'd whisper it in your friend's ear and that friend would whisper it and that friend would whisper it and you'd go down the circle and by the time it would come back to you it was a completely different sentence than what we started with and in a lot of these practices, that's what mm -hmm. happens. We're, we're so enamored with what it looks like on the outside. We forgot what they were searching for. And I think that part of what they were mm -hmm. searching for, that should be the inspiration. Not like the science of how to have the answers was somehow written in stone 2000, 200, or even two years ago. That should be an evolution. And then the question of why we've develop this way of moving and i don't think that it's anything that i've created if anything my ignorance in not knowing enough let me ask questions that other people had stopped asking because they knew more than i did i knew so little i was so ignorant that i didn't know what questions not to ask to me it was like this doesn't make sense this hurts and they'd be like well do this i'm like well that doesn't make sense either and I didn't know that I was stepping on toes and somehow challenging gurus. I was, I was really asking the way a little kid annoyingly asks, but why, but why, but why, but why, you know, yeah. and, but, but that, and then to me, it was, it, I had a really um, amazing friend and teacher who was 10 years younger than me at the time. And he was teaching Anusara and, and I was so uh, basically when I took his class, I was like, okay, this is close. This is, I kind of feel something when I take your class. But I would annoy him too with questions. And he was one of the most knowledgeable yoga teachers I've ever met. And I would come with my notebook. And at this point I was teaching. So I would come with my notebook and ask him questions. And I would almost imitate exactly what he was saying and what he was doing because that I, I felt like that was making me a better teacher. But I would still come to him with like, yeah. I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. I started to work with him. <clears throat> he was working with um rehab patients his father and sister are both uh, uh spinal surgeons neurosurgeons and he would he would work on on the rehab with uh with those patients and and i would see the things that he would do for those patients i would see that the types of treatments and the types of alignments and the types of things he would have them do and the reasonings for them and then i was seeing what we were telling people to do in yoga classes and i was like wait a second 
why are we telling this person to do this mm. and this, this? And I would just like that just started my mind going off and I would have these questions and I almost felt dirty and guilty because I was like, you know, like little old me, like, what do I, you know, I don't have, I, I don't have a degree. Yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. an anatomist. I'm not a physical therapist. At this point, I'm a very new teacher, but the questions were the questions. And I would timidly go and like at the end of class, go and ask him with my notebook and he would give me an answer. And then I would, I would take his answer home and I'd play with it and I'd come back with another question and I'm like this poor guy I'm, I'm annoying him so much I feel so bad and what I didn't realize is that I've you know like now over the years when he talks about that story because we ended up doing trainings together teaching trainings together he would oh, wow. like I was thinking that that I was like annoying him and he's like nah like his questions were just getting better and better and better to the point that the questions were questions that he didn't know how to answer and that he was starting to question his own answers because of the way that I was questioning him in a very innocent kind of, I don't get it. I just want to know kind of way. So he inspired me and he was one of the ones that was like, nah, keep asking. I'm not sure. Let me go try to find out, but you keep looking too. And that, and I started to travel and sit with different teachers. And one of the things that I started to realize was that um, these answers weren't in the place that I was looking. Um, and I wasn't sure if uh, anybody that was around right now even I, I i didn't even know how to it's hard to say because i didn't at that moment i didn't even know how to formulate the question which was very very frustrating and very very difficult <laughs> i would i would i would go online because when i was moving my body now i was feeling some kind of connection and i was going back to my yoga manuals and i was looking online to anatomy books and i'm like okay but this doesn't make sense because this feels like it connects to this. And when I do this, this happens. And when I do this, I'm feeling this part of my body. Am I imagining that? And I had all of these things. So I was overwhelmed by, by this world. And, but I was already getting very bored teaching the way that I was teaching. It was at this point, it was scripted. I was. So you were still, you were still teaching very scripted. Like I, I thought I was doing a like... really good job. I was, because I had asked so many good questions, I had a really good idea and I could get my, my body into tricks very quickly. That's one of the things that, that was impressing people. And I think one of the reasons that people listened to me really early on when, when I had no idea why they would was because mm -hmm. I was able to figure my body out to do things much more quickly than people around me thought that I, that I would be able to. And you know, how quickly I was picking up some very advanced asana was, was interesting to them. But here's the thing. I was picking up interesting, very advanced asana, but my body was hurting. And, 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 you know, so it was, you know, I would walk out of a yoga class being like, wow, that was amazing. My mind is so good, but I'd be limping out of the class. And, you know, for the next 20 minutes or so, you know, my hip felt a little weird. You know, it was a backbend class. I was like, wow, what an amazing heart opening class. Mm -hmm. And my low back, I was like, well, I got to take a, a break off of backbends for a few days. And, and that didn't make, and I'm, I'm having the struggle. I'm like, what is, like, this doesn't make sense to me. But I was still teaching this because it's, it's what was bringing people in. And it, it's what it was exciting me about classes. And, and at this point, I would ask, I was like, yeah, my back hurts. Well, do this. Well, try this. And after a while, teachers were just looking at me. It's like, well, yeah, you just did a backbend class. It's normal for your back to hurt after that. It's normal to have a little bit of aches and And I was like, wait a second. Yes. This, and I'm like, that's okay. 
but that's not what we're telling people. We're telling people that this is good for the body. And, and a lot of the teachers that I was seeing were teaching these classes and they were going and icing their bodies and going to chiropractors, you know, three times a week. And, and they were hiding these injuries and, and they were taking like a bunch of pills just to get out in front of the class and teach because they were in pain. And I was, I, I, and I, I was, I was very disheartened at this point, but I was, I was teaching really good tricks. I would get people into arm balances so quickly that they couldn't believe how quickly they were doing these arm balances and these inversions. And, and I was doing it and it was fun. And my heart was, was breaking because this, this wasn't, this wasn't the thing. This wasn't the magic thing. This wasn't, this, this was very different from, from the place that I wanted to show people showing people that they could do a really good side crow is great, but that connection was still missing. And when I moved on my own and let my own body move every once in a while, something would happen, something would connect. And I would literally just have to like sit there and it, there was a shaking in my body and it was like almost passing out and it wasn't passing out from, you know, head rush or anything, but it was like, there was a shaking and there was, something and goosebumps and and it wasn't it wasn't like it didn't feel like it was oh just my mind or like just i was connecting to philosophy or emotions were being released in that way you know like yoga speak stuff but a, but a real physical experience yeah. of of movement and and i was like oh at that moment i was like oh this is what they felt and they were trying to use words to express it to someone that wasn't mm. there. And this is what they were trying to do. And I just started to have this vision of these yogis going out, these people going out into the forest, these shamans, and just trying to figure out with breath and, and movement and shapes and, and thought and just sitting there and contemplation, trying to figure out what existence is, what it is to be in a physical body. And all of a sudden having the experience that I was having right there and, and just holding onto the earth and then coming back to their village <clears throat> and people are looking at them <clears throat> and asking, wow, what just happened to you? And you could, and you could see them just come back with their eyes wide and they're shaking and they're like, oh my God, well, I was moving and breathing in a certain way. And when I connected to my body in this way, there was this flush of energy and different parts of my body just felt alive, you know, and it wasn't as if I was different from the movement. It was all one thing. And I was thinking through my movement and, and they're like, yeah, but what, what, what did it look like? What did it feel like? He was like, well, and I could see them like reaching for words and being, well, there was like this warmth somehow in the middle of my chest. And it felt almost like this red spiral wheel that was spinning, you know, and, and in the base of my belly, it felt like another area there when I moved. And they're like, oh, okay, so, so how did you sit? So you sit like this, and then the wheel was what color red? And I could just see the people like not understanding it without having the actual experience and just trying to write down the formula. And I think, you know, and, and, and it wasn't yeah, 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 so yeah, much yeah, yeah. of, oh, I want that experience yeah. for myself. It's how do I imitate exactly what you did? And that's become what this thing is. So it, it, within this vision, two things happened. First of all, I started looking um, online. I'm like, somebody else has to be feeling, it can't be just me. Because if it's just me, it's not that fucking cool. If it's just me, it's boring. And, and who cares? You know, it's great. It's awesome. It's me. <laughs> but if it's an inherent magic, 
just yeah. within ex- within being human, within having a body. How about within existing? How about something so inherent in just life that this is what the whole thing, this is what the whole finger at the moon, all of it, Tai Chi, martial arts, meditation, ecstatic dance, psychedelics, shamanism, they're all pointing to that truth that the magic is so inherent in us. So I kept looking and, and I would look and I'd be like, go down this rabbit hole. And I was like, no. And then I'll be like, go down this rabbit hole. And I was like, no. But then there was some little sparks. There were some sparks with some people that were working into sensory awareness of all things. Of um, Emil Conrad, Emily Conrad in, 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 in the 70s. And, and some, some Feldenkrais stuff seemed like, like okay, that's, that's something. And then I, I came across uh, Tom Myers. And I was like, okay. I was like, wait a second. Because mm-hmm. I, I was like, I was looking for, for the physical process. I was looking for some kind of physical connection that could at least start me on the exploration of the next phase of what did I just experience? How do I map this out? Can I recreate it? Can, can it be something that can be taught or is it just kind of a very um, Zen-like, extremely uh, moment to moment, you get lucky and by the grace of God, you have this (gasps) moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And when when I found Tom Myers, I wasn't sure yet but here's the thing. I'm not an anatomist. I, I, I don't have a college degree in biology. I don't have a college degree at all. Um, so I would start to get these books. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. That sentence sounds like something similar to what I'm experiencing. This could be the physical process of what I'm talking about. But when I would start to read these books and I would start to download these research papers, I couldn't read them. I didn't have the background to understand the words that they were using mm-hmm. in order to mm-hmm. even know if what they were talking about was close to what I was doing. So frustrating for sure. But then I'm like, okay. So I'm like, okay, what book could I pick up to just quickly teach me how to read this book? So I go back and I try to find another book that would explain to me what this book was saying. And then I go back and read another book to try to understand. So part of this was frustrating because I'd see a concept and then I'd get, I'd hit a wall. I'm like, oh, I don't understand what that means. I don't understand the anatomy there. What could this possibly be? And I'd go down through different, through different modalities, um, through surgeons, through the nervous system, um, through people working in, in physical therapy, through, through martial arts, um, through meditative practices, through, uh, uh, neuromuscular injuries through fascial work. Uh, and I would, I would slowly start to build this understanding. And it was, and since I was not a specialized practitioner, it didn't matter to me where I was pulling this information. So mm-hmm. I got such a huge funnel and I was, I just started to pour everything that I could into this funnel, um, indigenous movement, um, you know, running, running styles, um, uh, uh, amputees. Amputees was super was super cool to watch how amputees move. Um, uh, neurological development, uh, evolutionary um, development of movement. Um, I just started to pour everything that I could into this funnel. Different every different form of yoga you can imagine, uh, and 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 seeing these incredible feats of these quote unquote special people, um, Shaolin monks. Like why why can a Shaolin monk do what a Shaolin mm-hmm. monk does? I mean that seems crazy you know and 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 is is it just that you force the body from the outside or is there an intelligence on the inside 
And that's what I started to try to uncover. I wanted to understand the language of the intelligence of the body first and see what's there. And from pouring all of these things into this funnel, this vision started to, to, be, to be known. It's, it started to be, like I started to be able to see a little bit of a hazy outline into this big, vague, beautiful mess of things that I was starting to see. And the more that I poured stuff into it, the more that I would just sit back and I would be overwhelmed at the beauty of it. And, and I could almost see someone like, in a very humble way, I could almost see someone like an Einstein, like sitting back or, an, or a Newton as he's writing math. Because mm. Newton didn't invent fucking gravity. Like that didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, like the, I, I think the, the apple falling on Newton's head is yeah. such a beautiful image of that thing that we don't quite know where it comes from. And, and it's, it's like the grace of God, right? Like that's that moment that we use that, that moment of inspiration that we didn't, there's nothing that I did in order to earn this thing. Why did I see this? And much, 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 and I mean much smarter people than I, like the ignorance that I had was that apple falling from the tree, that grace of God. Like, you know, Newton didn't, wasn't so smart that he sat in the right spot to get hit by the apple. You know, if you want to believe the story, it was, there was, there was a certain grace of existence yeah, of being yeah. that in that moment, being part of that moment that that apple fell. And I could just see as Newton or Einstein are writing this down. And I can just imagine when he writes E equals MC squared and he just sits back and is just in awe of not something that he's created, but by the elegant magic of the simplicity of life, just for some reason, just opening up in front of him and giving him like literally a glance at God. And that was what felt, and it, and it felt too big for me. And it, and I felt overwhelmed and, and insecure. And it took me a long time to even start talking about what I was seeing because even in the way that I set people's hands, arm balancers that have been arm balancing for 50 years and are acrobatics are telling people to do a certain thing with their hands. And I'm coming around and being like, try this, you know, and try this because of this. And that, that took me a long time. That, that was in order for me to feel, I mean, it, it was a good way to do it, but I, I kept diving in. I kept challenging myself. It's one of the things that I teach right now, like challenge your own beliefs, challenge what you think. And more than challenge what you think, challenge what you know, challenge what you've stopped questioning. And that's what I kept doing. I'm like, everything that I would think of, and I'm just like, oh my God, it's this. It, I, I would literally put it down and be like, what if I'm wrong? This is wrong. Can I prove myself wrong? What, and, and I would just like counter argument myself. And, and what if it's this? And what if it's this? And what if it's this? And I would go and, and again, I would dive back in. And Tom Myers ended up being a huge resource. Um, one of the most interesting men I've ever met. And his, his story was similar, where he grew up in a world where anatomy was this very mechanistic, uh, Newtonian, uh, you know, pulleys and levers kind of system. And he started him with Ida Rolf and, you know, mm. the world that he started to see. He started to see these long connections and talking about this stuff. And doctors, surgeons, we're telling him no, that what he was seeing wasn't the way and that he was wrong. And, and, you know, and again, he's not, he's not a doctor, he's not a surgeon, but he trusted his experience and he would keep researching and, and I did the same. And, and I kept reading to the point that I almost had to overcompensate 
for the fact that I didn't have all those letters. So it's almost in my insecurity that I needed to know 10 times more in order to make sure that the crazy shit that I was talking about was actually something real and profound. And, and again, it's not that I know more than a surgeon, but for all, by all means, no, what I'm talking about is a different vision of looking at the whole organism in movement, in the process of being alive and how that conversation happens, what the language is that the body talks about. And can we uncover that intelligent first and let movement and the way that we uh, undo the tensions in our, in our body, the way that we are in relationship with that, be in that conversation instead of an imposition. Instead of, can I make my body do this? Can I uncover the special magic of what my body can do in its most natural state? And then the whole idea would be to untie the things that keep me from expressing who I am physically in the most full way possible. Instead of, can I impose another set of ideas or tensions on top to make me look like I should look, act like I should act, instead of untying and then standing back and seeing what the hell is it that I am? Almost getting it out of the way and just being in awe of it instead of trying to force it to be something. So I know it was a very long answer to a question that I don't even remember. So. Like, <laughs> wow. Wow. Like Carlos, like I'm, I'm really like, my mind is like, like, yeah. Like, because I'm also coming from the movement background, mm. like, I'm, you know, personal trainer also went to the gym. Then I slowly turned into mobility. Then I got into movement culture, Idopotal, you know, then like, anatomy trains and FR, FRC and stuff like that. So I know what you're talking about and I know the rabbit hole and how you start to develop and you start to question things and then you give up beliefs and you give up your own knowing to actually look from it from a different perspective. And, and one thing I've like one, one message, which was so obvious for me from what you just talked about is mm. trusting your own process. Like, because I believe what I, you know, because we're living in a world of extremes and we are living in a world, especially nowadays, where everything has to be fast, you know, like someone sees you on Instagram and wants to be, I want to be like him, you know what I mean? And then, but because we only have the information which we receive through a few pictures, you know, on a, on a digital platform and a few stories and some, a few words, you know what I mean? Like, we sometimes then get so frustrated because we believe like, why can't I, why is it not possible for me to be that way? And like you said, you know, you want to actually put another tension onto yourself because you think it's cool or this is a trend now, or it's cool to do yoga or movement or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's like, and then to actually, and I have to say, I have to say, even for me, what you just said, even for me, I was like, okay, questioning my own knowing, you know, what I always thought is the right thing. Like that blew my mind because you're so right. You know, you, you, you don't stop, you don't, you don't start questioning those knowings anymore and to dive deeper, you know, and I'm not saying that this has to happen, 
but to also allow yourself, like you said, to experience your own magic. You know what I mean? Like the magic, the intelligence, what we already have within, there's nothing we have to add on to, to be special. We are already special and there's already this magic like there. And, <laughs> and it's like, to be honest, I'm, I'm a little bit speechless. Um, not in a negative way, just by, by being like, I can, I can feel this fire inside of me, like this kind of like, wow, like what he just said. I started questioning a lot of things, you know, which what I've learned and then to actually be like, okay, I, I really want to get deeper into that and question my knowing what I've learned and what I do and what I teach, you know, and not to become a better person, but just to look at it from a different perspective, you know, from an outside perspective and then to actually look at it like if it really does the things I want. Absolutely, I man. Want you, said, you, said, you said a few really, really yeah, good like, things wow. there, man. Um, and even one of the things that, that you were saying, it's like, well, sometimes um, people go to yoga because they, they want to look better or whatever. They, they, it's, it's the fat of the moment. Um, and that's true. But I, at, at the base of this, it's such... It's such a thing that all of us, and we all do it in different ways, but we're all after that same thing, that, 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 that feeling of happiness, of, of connection. And especially if you see someone that's, for the most yeah. part, going into yoga. And, and yeah, I mean, some people do it because it's a great workout and, and more power to you. Not, 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 nothing's wrong with that either, um, except that I don't think it's a good workout. But well, that's a different conversation. Um, but, the, but the ones that, that to me end up being, uh, that, that, that I feel... <laughs> more compassion for are the ones that go into yoga because they do want magic. They do. They do want magic. And then instead of, of mm. being pointed back into themselves in a very real way, because we, we say those words, but that's, that's one of the things that, that early on to me in yoga, it was, it was obvious that, that the words and the actions don't seem to go in the same direction. To, to, to go into yourself, to everything is within you. That that's good. But then, you never question your teacher in the discipline of some of the traditions of yoga and practice and all is coming. And, and these words aren't the same. These words are not the same thing as, hey, you're okay right now where you are. You know, um, pain is an illusion. Quiet your mind. Um, you know, the monkey mind, the higher self. It's, it's very, uh, we, we don't even realize that we're doing it. And, that, and that's why something like this is so difficult because the underlying assumptions, even in the way that we talk, have some things already in them. And the things that are already in them, especially in yoga, is we are broken. And I know that we say that we're not and the words are we're not, but it's very funny that, mm. that you go somewhere. It's like, oh, you're not broken. You're good, man. You're perfectly good the way that you are. And then whether it's in a yoga teacher training, in a retreat, in a workshop, in a long practice, there is a quote unquote breaking down process. If it's not even written like that, there's certain things that are supposed to break you down that are supposed to show you all the places that you're wrong or not good. And that, and that to me is it, there, there's a sadness there and, and the formula. And again, I said it earlier. And one of the things at the beginning was I didn't, I hadn't met anybody that had been through yoga for, and I'm talking about even the gurus, quote unquote gurus that I had, that I've met, and I've met quite a few, um, self-proclaimed, and some that were just really mm. extraordinary teachers. And not that there's anything wrong with who they are, but none of them seem to have that freedom that I was talking about, that true freedom, that that freedom. And there was there was people that I had met that had it, but for the most part, they weren't that interested or 
took that seriously whatever practice they did. That practice they did ended up being another way of holding on to something mm. where they really, really, really were kind of holding on to a life raft to feel good about themselves, to hope that they were worthy. And, and that worthiness came either by a pat on the head of their teacher, about getting to the next pose, about wearing the right outfits, about being considered a spiritual person, about whatever that is. <clears throat> and that, that started to be sad to me. I started to see it um, like an Ashtangi that, that had to miss um, a couple of days of their Mysore practice. And it's like, oh my God, like, like they were distraught. Because mm. it was this one thing. It was this practice that was basically keeping them from just falling off the world, becoming a shitty person, of feeling worthy, of feeling okay with themselves. And that was like, whoa, wait a second. That doesn't seem to be freedom. Because that, that, that poor little me, stranger in a strange land, does not coincide with the infinite magic that I'm seeing in myself, that I see when I look at anyone that I look at, and it doesn't matter who it was, I was seeing it in everyone. And that practice did not coincide with that. And, and one of the things that, that I was saying about like challenge everything, question everything, the truth will not be offended by it being questioned. Truth will not be offended. It mm -hmm. won't be hurt. It won't be sullied. It won't be less true because it's questioned. Let's question everything and the truth will be the truth regardless. What's true will float to the surface. We're so concerned with not mm -hmm. disrespecting or questioning or challenging things. Respecting a tradition. Preserving a tradition. Yeah. And my question would be why? I asked this question a while back and it was, can, can you be fully enamored with the truth and still be a preserver of yoga? And it's a difficult question. It's a difficult question because I, I, I love the community I do. And I love the, the ancestry of all of this. And to me, it's, it's the history of it, which is interesting that people were questioning this thousands of years ago and that we've continued to question. That to me is the beauty, the string of yoga that can continue infinitely into the future. But if all of a sudden I become a preserver of tradition, how likely am I to challenge not only my truths, not only what I believe, but challenge what's being told to me. If I find yoga so beautiful that I've been indoctrinated so much that now I'm preserving a tradition and I'm very concerned with not disrespecting it, with not challenging it, with being the label a yogi mm. or what do you do? I do yoga or I do Tai Chi or I'm, or I'm a this or I'm a that. As soon as we say I'm a this and we start wearing the t-shirts of it and we start kind of putting on the airs of it and somehow we get a hit of our identity from it the chances that we'll be able to look at something within that honestly and truthfully is very, very small. It's very small. We'll start to um, accept things that we wouldn't normally accept. And you'll see this, right? Very smart people, um, very, very smart people. They're, they're, they're not stupid. They're not bad people. We get locked up into the identity of Anastanga Yoga where we're sitting there, you know, senior teachers, mm. people that I respect deeply, that I know are well-intentioned people were able to sit by and even defend 
after pictures came out that were indefensible and their first reaction these really intelligent people, their first reaction was their image of themselves and their identity was so hurt in that first moment that their first instinct mm-hmm. was to protect mm-hmm. and they're not protecting that person what they're protecting is their own investment in that ideology the, the, no, the no, life no. they've invested in that because like oh my god if this is not true then who am i in bikram same thing so to be to be mm. I, I think being yeah. a yogi can be a disservice to the heart of yoga cuz cuz like in in that true yoga it, th- like these guys were not conformists they were rebels they were rebelling against the hindu caste they were like no we're not going to accept that you tell us that these are the deities and we pray like this mm. and 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 you the priest will some you know will do that we're going to go out into the forest we're going to go into our own breath we're going to go into our own bodies to discover that truth for ourselves so from that rebellion we could learn a lot it could be a soft rebellion but like that 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 like court jester rebellion where everything that's said you kind of you know look at it sideways and say like, huh is that true you know, there, there can be a, a silliness. There could be an openness mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely a very, very good point. That's that's an amazing point, and and I think, and I think it it perfectly mm-hmm. kind of fusions with the next question. Like some people, like so, mm-hmm. what what we did? We were collecting some questions from people on Instagram and. Um, you sent me some questions from your followers, and one of one of your followers were asking. It's a great question. Like, That's a great question. Um, and, and it's one of those that when because she asked, it's one of those that I hesitated to answer because it, it wasn't a quick a quick answer. And I and I think we did we did dive into into what that is because um, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age, very few people are just yoga teachers, so what what they're bringing in the skill sets that they're bringing in yeah. are going to be really really different really 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 different so um i i i teach i teach yoga i teach uh philosophy and asa and anatomy but my background is also in body work and anatomy and the scope of my of my of my knowledge and my experience is is different so that's that's a very easy answer to me that someone can stay within the scope of what mm-hmm. they do, I wouldn't have a big problem with that. For example, a physical therapist is a yoga teacher, um, and someone comes to you after class, and and you can pull from your physical therapy hat to do that. Um, I, I don't have much of a problem with that. Um, but again, my question in that is going to be annoying, and it's going to be, what is yoga? Like, what is it that we're teaching when we're teaching yoga? Uh, and that, that, that question, I think that's why I hesitated yeah. so much when, when I was asked this originally. Because to me, it has to be like a yoga teacher to me would be a history of yoga teacher, should have some kind of knowledge of, of what, where this came from. If you're going to put that name on it, you don't have to. But if you're going to say yoga, I think some kind of knowledge. But to me... I, and again, this isn't like, you know, the yoga line stuff. A yoga teacher to me would, ha- would have to be someone that, that is a rebel, that yeah. questions, that questions, that, that, um, that has a deep practice in and of, and, and this is, again, this is, this is my um, wish list, wish list for a yoga teacher. Um, someone that keeps questioning, mm. that's a student of life, that to me, a yoga teacher is someone that's, 
enraptured with the wonder of life and, and understands that yoga is a question, not an answer. And, and too many teachers that I've seen, um, me included, I can say this really easily because I actually, I wasn't even like this. I just tried to pretend to know way more than I do. I had to pretend to know more, like, like if I had all the answers to everything because I was teaching mm -hmm. yoga, that somehow um, me being up here is different from you sitting over there. Uh, the, the, the scope of a yoga teacher, the role of a yoga teacher, I think is uh, to be in that wonder and to share from that really personal place. And, and that, and that to me is the role of a yoga teacher. And it has nothing to do with, mm -hmm. you know, do you know all of the sutras, all of the, cause, cause the word yoga, I mean, depending, you know, you're talking about, you know, <clears throat> a yoga that developed more in South India. Uh, are you talking about a yoga that developed more in the Northern parts? Um, that word is so vast that even the scholars of yoga are only going to be scholars within a very small part of a very big word. So to me, someone fascinated, fascinated with the questions of existence um, yes. would, be, would be the role of a yoga teacher. And then that to me would be like, I want someone that's that fascinated with life. But then underneath that, what skill sets they have, it gets very, very interesting. Um, I don't like the 200-hour uh, training stuff. And it's not because 200 hours might not be enough to teach. But like everything else, it's what are we teaching the teachers to teach? And, and I'm involved in, in different teacher trainings. And it's, it's still, to me, too much of an indoctrination into a system. And, and that's just the way it is. Instead of it being a broad overview of the history of what came before, the understanding of what we have now, and, and teaching people the skills to explore those questions within themselves, instead of giving them a very um, structured framework of you do these poses. Like, like you said, everybody wants steps, right? Here are your five steps to enlightenment. You do these poses and then you do these poses and then you do these poses and then you do these poses. You're worth more than that. You're worth more than, than seven steps to yoga. And that's the whole idea. We're, we're talking about turning you in towards and opening the door for an infinite playground of experience and ecstatic understanding that will have you drop to your knees. That is not seven steps to this, or, you know, can, can I, can I do it? And can you give me a certificate and ecstatic understanding by the weekend? Like if anything, our trainings and the way that we teach, it's, it's to yeah. uh, like trick people into seeing themselves is to trick people into unraveling a knot to soften something. So for just one second, they could see that magic inside of them and be so fascinated by that, that they stop looking so much towards me, that their head is now totally fascinated. Their awareness is turned in towards themselves. And maybe they look up every once in a while for inspiration or for another way to look in. And then they could ask, it's like, hey, I felt this. What do you think? How do I dive in there? What can I look for? What do you think I'm feeling there? And then I can answer that. But then it's an answer in the sense of like, here's the answer. Go back in. Go ask more, and then we can play together. We can all have, in these moments, in these classes, a very personal experience going on on the inside where we're exploring within this setting. But we get to kind of like peek our heads out every once in a while and look in each other's eyes with just this like, wow. And, we're, and we can nod at each other and be like, yeah, I get it, man. I was feeling some shit too. And, and it's that very personal experience 
that we have of being an individual within the magic of being human where we're like just in this <sighs> uh, if you get to the end of yoga and you have very solid answers mm. you've missed something you've absolutely missed something the, the, the magic that's there should leave you speechless not full of very exact sentences yeah mm -hmm. i remember i remember i was i was talking to liz like you know she attained your yoga teacher training um in february and i remember i was meeting her once in a while you know and so you we were passing by and and she, and i remember like we were talking about you know like the teacher training and she was like <laughs> renee and you could you could see this big question mark right on top of her forehead. I swear to God, like I could see this big question mark. And that that that's even when I was like, okay, I really have to talk to this guy because because I had to, um I was um mm -hmm. I was there yeah. when when Liz and her group like was giving her final teaching, you know, like yeah, I was there. Um, and it was interesting for me because. Like the way it was, this mm. exploration and playful, it was, this is the thing, you know, like what I felt, what I felt there, it was not like, oh, now we go 90 mm. minutes in a yoga session. And then you look at the watch. Okay. Like, oh, 30 minutes left. So we have yeah. like this kind of like poses and then it comes the cool down and then it's Shabasana. It's like, it's like, you're not drifting away to the next pose. Like you're just completely present. You kind of like. You, like you said, you turn inward and then you, you experience and you move and you, and, and then you, you, you get fascinated, you know, you are like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? And, and I remember when we were, when I was talking to Liz that she, you know, she was also talking like that she has, she's questioning now her own practice and her practice, what she was teaching to other people will never be the same again because, and and it's so interesting because at this point I could never really, you know, I could never really see why, but like now talking to you, listen to your words, like I understand why she was saying that. And I think it's a very interesting point of view, what you just explained about being a yoga teacher, because like you said, you know, I think sometimes we have that, oh yeah, I want to be a yogi. And then I go to 200 hour yoga teacher training and then I get all those kind of like steps and structures. And these are 10 or I don't know how many asanas you get in your manual, anatomy manual. And then you do, you know, and then you go out there and then now I'm a yoga teacher, you know what I mean? And then because maybe it's also like a teacher, you kind of follow, you know, you like you look up to and the way she or he moves is just, this is your religion. You know, it becomes almost religious, like for some people, I'm not saying everyone, but, and then you kind of like not question it anymore. And then you even can sometimes see how people have debates between this is how it is. How, this is how the way you should teach it. And right. this is, you know what I mean? Like, and then, like you said, you missed the point. And, and from that point, it's so interesting because I got also inspired for my own practice which I include way more into my daily, into my daily life to actually just flow and move and let just let my the intelligence in my body like just just let do whatever it feels like doing. And mm. the one question that came up, like, what do you think about discipline? And I think mm. that question came up in form of like, like practicing, 
maybe I'm not sure or questioning things. I think I think it's more like a physical question of like, what do you think about the physical discipline of practicing? I, I think that it's, it's cool that that question came playful. up because when you were talking about yeah. uh, about Liz and that training and and it was such a good training. It, it's I, I have a I have a hard time at the beginning of especially because that's the the that mm-hmm. training especially it's 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 a yoga training and it's it's probably the best one that I know of as far as giving someone a, a nice big palette of different things uh, to take in but it's still difficult and it's and it's especially difficult people ask me if the way that I teach is it's mm-hmm. is difficult for be- it's it's really difficult for beginners. And I tell them, no, it's easy for beginners. The, the, the way that we teach is so easy for beginners and advanced practitioners are like, that doesn't make sense. This is so hard for me because what we're trying to get through with the advanced practitioners, it is that pattern. It is that mental pattern of this is the right way to do things. This is the way things mm-hmm. should be done. So even in the do this, it's not just, ah. oh, should I put my knee here? Or what happens if I put my arm here? Or, or my hand is connected here. I can feel that it's, that is wrong. That is not what my teacher said. I've been doing it this way for 10 years. Oh my God, I taught that last week. Oh my God, what will my students think about me? Oh my God, how will I deal with this when I get back? So there's this whole other like sphere of stuff that we got to kind of get through where it's no longer about, oh, can yeah. I put my hand there and connect my shoulder there? It becomes this whole mental aspect of identity and what's truth and who am I and what does it mean and how do I want to be seen and and all of those Mm -hmm. things come up first which is which is beautiful and it's absolutely true that the physical the psychological the spiritual the emotional these aren't different things so there's no way to talk to someone's body without also addressing their minds and vice versa which is also really cool when we're talking about um about why a movement practice is so special because you don't have to go right out right at someone's psychology and and someone's identity and ways they see the world right away because those can be very very deeply defended and deeply defended it means that for all we know this psychology has kept this person alive and sane and feeling safe so to go at someone right now and tell them the way that you think is wrong or putting them into situations where they're forced into um, intimacy in a group because we're trying to break them down because we want them to be free, chances are what they're going to do is they're going to defend themselves even more and they're going to lock down close inside and on the outside, they're going to appear open. And then on the inside, there's even more of a holding. So, so within that thing of, of teaching people, and especially in that group, Liz's group was, was so powerful. Um, smart, experienced teachers had been, all of them, almost all of them had been doing this for a long time. And they had very strong um, philosophical ideas and studies and mm. workshops and things that they've done. So it almost feels like I'm, I'm, I'm killing magic right away when I walk in. When I walk in and I start, and I start talking those first few moments, and and they're they're looking at me like like if I'm if I'm taking like the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, and the Tooth Fairy and the Tooth Fairy away all at once, you know. And I'm like, and and it's not. And, and my heart hurts in that moment when I see their faces. And I'm talking about like, well, you know that that subtle anatomy and and this is where this lives and this does this. And I'm like, 
that's not quite what's there. Like that's something that that's, that's let, let's go in there. Why do you believe that? That's not really how the body is. Like it, it's, it's almost like they're holding on to that magic, but as long as they're holding on so tightly to those ideas, it's a veil that's being held in front of some much more profound magic. That's just beyond that veil. So in order to really taste the fullness of magic, not, not, not the desperate, um, tentative, scared magic that we see a lot of times in religious circles and in yoga where we defend. We only like to be around people that believe the same things that we do. Because we, we could all kind of pat each other on the back. And it's like, okay, as long as you believe, I feel better about me believing. And as long as you believe, I feel okay. And, and we kind of just like all sit together. And it's like, and, and as long as we sit together, like our doubts can kind of go away and we don't talk about them. And it's also why it's so difficult when someone from the outside challenges those beliefs because we're not as comfortable with the fact that if we do this pose, we're somehow going to have this magical experience of being enlightened or whatever it is. And since we don't fully believe that, we start defending it really badly because we want to mm -hmm. believe it so badly. Mm -hmm. You could see that in, in Christian circles and Jewish circles, whatever it is. That over, that over <gasps> protecting. And you could see someone, you see a Christian mystic, yeah. a priest that's been around for a while, that they're just so comfortable in what they, how they see the world, that they'll sit there with a Muslim and a Hindu and it doesn't matter. And, 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 it's, yeah. and questions and challenges don't matter because they're all sitting down yeah. laughing at the beauty of existence without having to defend anything. It's a very different feeling and when i go up there and i start talking about this stuff i feel like i'm yeah at the beginning they're looking at me like lost kids saying no please don't take this away from us too like we've already had all of those other things taken away please don't do this too and and that yeah. question of why was like well because because this is what happens and and it was just so like well it's because of this and if we if we do this this is going to happen and yeah. and just me asking why are you sure? Is, where did you hear that? Do you believe that? Why do you believe that? Even in that question, you could see this like tension come over someone's face where you could tell they haven't questioned these things that deeply mm. because it's like, no, like this is just what it is. And the question of discipline actually came up there. And, and the discipline that they were talking about wasn't the discipline, like, you know, the discipline of yoga or the discipline of martial. It was discipline in the sense of, of that, self-will yeah. of I need to be disciplined in order to practice. I need to be disciplined in order to move forward in my spiritual development. I need to be disciplined in order to be a good person. And that's one of the things that came up. And my opinion is that discipline is a weird word that again, puts us against ourselves. It fractures us in two and there's the good me, that's trying to overcome the bad me. There's the good me that's trying to discipline this very lazy, lower, not very good me. Does that make sense? It's, it's... It makes, bro, like I swear to God, like, like I started this week, like, mm -hmm. ex like extremely like increasing my practice, you know? And what you just say right now is, is, is completely like against, like what you're saying right now, I see your words. I know what you're saying. And, and it starts questioning why I'm doing this. 
you know what I mean? Like, what is, what is it that I believe in? Like doing two hours of meditation mm -hmm. in a specific seat or doing a yoga practice for one hour in a Qigong. And you know what I mean? Like to question it, like, and that, that's why, like, I'm super grateful right now because when you said, like, when you said, mm -hmm. it's like this, this, this good me over the bad me, right? Like the lazy, like, What, yes. Whatever one yes. Skip, that's the thing. There's a separation between in my within myself, right? Which I start now to mm -hmm. question. Where I'm like, now, now there are question marks. There's no answer. You know what I mean? But I'm really grateful for those question marks because it's the next step to be like, wait a minute, like, like you said. You know what I mean? Like for me now, now I'm at the point like, wait a minute. Okay. Right. I have to sit with that. I have to. Right. Let me let me give like, let me give a little bit uh, you know for the people mean? listening so because it's exactly it's a difficult concept and it's a difficult concept because we've assumed its truth for so long from the time that we're we're young and we're little and we're in school and we're told things like you know pay attention and when we're told pay attention a lot of times what we'll do is we'll contort our faces right we'll squint our mm -hmm. eyes we'll lean our head forward uh, we'll we'll wrinkle up our foreheads. And none of those things actually make us pay attention. None of those things make us focus or listen better. All that is, is an outward costume to try to tell the person in front of us, look, look how hard I'm trying to do what you say. And that's a very strange thing as a kid where we're like, that doesn't actually make any sense, except now they think that I'm doing it. So when we're talking about discipline, let's say you wake up in the morning, right? You wake up in the morning and you think uh, your, your movement practice is a good thing. So, but you're tired, right? You're tired. So you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm, I just woke up. I'm, I'm tired. I don't really want to move. But then you tell yourself, it's like, wait a second. I've got to be disciplined. I've got to be disciplined. And I've got to force myself to do my movement practice. Here's where it gets weird and we don't, and we don't question this. Okay. Who... Are you, who is, who is making you do the movement practice right now? If you say that it's you, but who are you making do the movement practice right now? It's you. Okay. So you are making yourself do the movement practice. Why are you making yourself do the movement practice? Now you can like this, this question can get very strange. It can have a lot of answers, but if you really pare down, all the way down to the very essence, you're doing that movement practice because you want to. Not because you're disciplined, because you want to do that movement practice for whatever reason, more than you want to stay in bed. That's all there is to it. When someone else is making you do something and you're showing discipline by doing what they say, all you're saying is that I want to do it for them or I want to do it more than I don't want to do it. That's all that you're saying. If you're doing something for someone else, you're still doing it because the, the authority is always on you. If you really, really want me to do something and I'm like, no, I don't really want to. I don't really want to. I don't really want to. And you're like, please, 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 please. And eventually I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it, but I don't really want to. That is a lie. I am doing it because I want to. And it could be because I want to, because I don't want to hear you. I want to because I want to feel better about doing it for you. I want to because I feel I'm a bad person if I don't do it. But it always comes to the thing that I want to. 
And when it comes to discipline, it's just a matter of which one of the things do I want to do more than the other? And that's all there is. So it's not the good me that's talking to a bad me. It's like there's two things. I can stay in bed. How much do I want to do that? Or I can move. How much do I want to do that? And that's all there is. The extra layer of I need to be disciplined in order to do that. It's a really interesting way, first of all, to make it seem like this practice is somebody else's and you're doing it for somebody else. Wow. You're, you're still putting yourself as, oh, it's not me that's doing it as less of an authority, yeah. like disempowering. Instead of being like, even if, even if a cop with a gun, it's, uh, maybe I, that's not the example I want to use right now. But let's say someone in front of you, not a cop, let's say someone in front of you puts a gun to you and tells you to do something. There's still a choice there. I want to not die, so I want to do what he says. There is still a desire that's being fulfilled in me. Not two different me's that have two different desires. And one of them is better than the other. There isn't a good me and a bad me. And when we're talking about society and discipline, when was the last time that you as a child needed to like really work yourself up and have a conversation with yourself about you need to be more disciplined in order to go out and play today because you're tired. So you should be disciplined to get your ass up and go play because that's, that's a good person and that's discipline. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. <laughs> you just fucking blow my mind right now. Like, really. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for it because it's there's this this being serious right this kind of like oh this this like i have to be disciplined it's just like you like you just said like if you really want to move more than like than than sleep than like waking like or staying in bed like then you just go moving you know what i mean like it's just like yeah it's 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 so true so and just by seeing it like just switching the perspective you actually like you completely avoid this confrontation or this, this illusionary that, confrontation. That you, yeah, that you need good, to be um, whipped into shape. That you need to be uh, whipped into shape. And that, and, that, and that idea, that, that little assumption, it sounds so small, but it's, it's not just one. Yeah. We have these all through our language, all through the ways that we speak to each other, all through the ways that we look at ourselves. And, um, and, and, and those little assumptions of I'm not good, that I'm, I'm, I'm on probation, that one day if I do all the right things, I'll be a good person. Um, those, those are insidious in there. And we do those. And then like that other thing, right? If you've ever seen someone that wants to tell you about how that they just went through a very difficult meditation retreat where they were like beaten up for like a month and they, and they, they were barely able to eat and they sat there for eight hours. And, and it's, it's funny how much of an ego trip we have in, in how difficult our spiritual practices, you know, and it's, you, you said something very cool at the beginning that you came from, from another world yeah. where it was all about the quote unquote outside, right? It was about the job and the car and, and how do you look and are you moving forward in your career? And, and that gets tiring for a lot of people. So they leave that behind and they come to this world, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm going to leave that behind. So now if we're not careful, same shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now you do the same shit. You do the same Absolutely. shit. Like, I know I, it's the same shit. Just it's just packaged differently. You know, it's like maybe not a car. Yes. But it's like 
like knowing yes. so much about whatever the Absolutely. Look, look, or whatever. Look how hard it used to be like, man, I, I worked, I, I worked the whole weekend. Agree. I put I in 10 hours agree. at work. It was crazy. Now it's, you don't understand. I did three yoga classes. I did a four hour workshop. I, I did a weekend meditation retreat. Oh man. Like you don't understand. Like how, look how disciplined I am. And it just becomes another, and, and that's when it gets so funny and so silly because even the practice becomes just the same thing. Instead of a BMW, now it's like, look at my latest sorry, or you, you know what I mean, or, or whatever it is. And that's why it's so weird when I, when I talk yes. about wow. when we're putting a layer of yes. tension on top of a layer of tension that's already there, we end up just kind of weighing ourselves down even more. And then it gets even sadder. Because at least when you were in maybe, you know, doing bumps of cocaine and the BMW and, and whatever, at, at least you kind of, you were more, you were less maybe fractured. You kind of knew. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is kind of some, some kind of fucked up shit. I know the world doesn't agree with it, but whatever. But then you come into this world and now you're being sold that this stuff that you're doing is actually making you quote unquote better or better than those other people that you left behind. So now not only are you doing it, but now you got an ego trip of how good you are, of how special and spiritual you are. So now yeah. your image is even stronger and it's yeah. even more yeah. difficult to get to that place inside you where you're like, oh my God, the sweetness of just being weird and silly. And it's not that that stuff goes away, but like you just did, Renee, you get to look at yourself and be like, oh my God, I'm such a fucking silly human. Look what I just did. I just took that game and now I'm playing this game and I'm talking about discipline. Oh my God, I'm so silly. How fun is this? How funny is this game where I get to go in and out of these costumes, in and out of these worlds all the time without getting, and that's the freedom. The freedom is not don't ever do the BMW and the bumps of cocaine. Don't ever be like a super special yogi, you know, wearing the turban and maybe floating, but to understand mm -hmm. that none of those are a solid unchanging you and they're all the whirlpool that spins around something very special and magical on the inside mm. and to connect with that inside specialness means that you can play within the whole whirlpool even the cocaine even the craziness even the whatever it is on the outside because now the world is different you're understanding i won't do the cocaine thing because it doesn't feel good I don't like it. Like I, I went through that enough in my life, but it's not because I think if I do that, I'm somehow less spiritual or less magic or less good. Still fucking spiritual. Still, you can't get away from it. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself unmagical. It's mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Like you're fucked. That ship has sailed. You are. So then it's a matter of what's the expression mm. that I want to bring yeah. to that. That's yeah. going to be the most fun, the most full. That's going to give me that hit of the most ecstatic understanding. Um, and that's the place to kind of go to with that, I think. Mm. Wow. Yeah, you've hit the nail, like really. Um, wow. Like, yeah, I totally resonate with what you just said. And 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 I, I'm pretty sure a Good. lot of people uh, resonate yeah. with that. And even if it brings up a little <clears throat> bit of resistance or even a big resistance, because it is, it, it is good. Like, Absolutely. Like, and and yeah. here's the thing, and, and I tough, always encourage, good, the, the know, first, I think it might be one of the first you know sentences I mean? that I tell um, students or, or anybody that I'm sharing in front of, it's challenge everything I'm saying. Don't take anything that I'm saying for face value. If you do that, it'd be the same thing as you taking anything else at face value. Mm. Like sit with it, kick it around, challenge yourself. What if I'm right? What if I'm wrong? What if I'm absolutely wrong? Go down that rabbit hole. Don't stop. 
keep questioning. The truth is, the really cool thing about who we are and what we do is that any one of these questions that you go down deeply enough, you're going to find yourself, which means you're going to see God. And, and, and there's no way around it. Like a, a musician, um, you know, if, if, if someone that's really that connected starts teaching you the violin, you'll understand everything in the world through their lens because they see it all. They're, they're, they're uncovering art and who they are and, and their connection to the physical body and the same questions of discipline and what's important and what does it mean to be fully alive. But they're doing it through the violin or through painting or through working with kids. And I, I, I haven't met the person yet but I'm sure they exist, maybe through accounting, through whatever it is. It's, it's not, this is the right way. It's look at where it's yeah. pointing. Um, what's, what's that saying? If there's an old, an old philosopher that yeah. said, um, yeah. God, is, God is a circle whose circumference is nowhere and its center is everywhere. And, and I think that's so profound that we're all that center Sure, and I don't remember who said it, and I'm and I'm hoping I'm saying it right. Um, but can I'll you, get that. For can later. you say it? Can you um, say it again? God is a circle whose center no is everywhere, and whose circumference is nowhere. Basically, the center of the center of God is everywhere. So God is an infinite circle whose center is yeah. everywhere, meaning that each single one of us is the center of that circle. And and that's the thing. So all of these things that we're looking outward, hopefully when we look outward, it bounces us back inside. Yeah, like, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I love, like, to be honest, like, I, I really like to to share the knowledge of other people to other people. But what I love the most about it is also that every time, like I'm doing an interview, like on this podcast, like my, that's mind, very cool. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, fuck man. Like <laughs> it's just insane. It's, it's, it's just, it's just so beautiful, you know? And, and I really, really appreciate you talking openly about all those things and to address them and share what you've Beautiful. learned about yourself and Beautiful. sharing your experiences, you know what I mean? And, and I'm really, really grateful for that. Like really. Okay. And, before, and before, before you ask, we, let me say we, one more thing because it's, it's question, funny when I get, um, when I, there when I do interviews like this, yeah. it's, it's usually, it usually starts with, Oh, I'd like to bring you in to talk about movement. And Renee, I'm not kidding. Please. I rarely end up talking about movement. It's we get down these these rabbit holes, which are so cool, and it's and it's all connected, and I really think it is. And and the reason that we move, and we teach from the way that we're teaching within body work and movement, um, is because it's a way of moving that is intimately related within a relationship with this perspective of how to see the world and how to question, and with the magic of the individual, um, looking inside of ourselves for that magic, not in a way that you need to have faith or you need to believe, but in a way that there's a real experience of it where no one has to tell you, Hey, there's magic. When you look here, you're like shaking your head and you're like, yeah, yeah, you don't have to, I don't know how to Mm. say it. I don't know what that body part was, but that fact that what I just experienced in my body could be nothing else except magic. And if Mm. that's true, that means every part of me, 
is that magic too. So when we talk about movement, um, it is a way to uncover the magical language inside the body within meta patterns, the ways that we've evolved. And one of the most beautiful things in the way that we envision movement and the way that we've evolved these bodies, not just human evolution, but a, a much broader sense of, of the evolution of structure is interestingly to me, a way that we've taken the ability to taste what's outside and continuously try to lift that up through the last, I don't know how many billions of years, which is such a beautiful thing from stars in the sky, you know, that we figured out from being stars, everything that we are in us right now started out as a star in that kind of furnace from those rocks and stars. We figured out how to, how to, how to talk, how to like look at each other and make sounds and somehow one rock can, can give its experience of being a rock to another rock. Like we're literally rocks through time that have figured out how to stand up and talk. Now, how is that not magic? And when we're talking about this ability of from the very first time that we started to sense our world and became these animals where our eyes were down and in the ocean and constantly trying to lift up from, you know, being one cell and then crawling on the ground and then on all fours and then slowly starting to lift our hearts and our eyes up, our ability to take in the world. We've sacrificed our ability to be safer our ability to be armored, our ability to be down close to the ground and protected, to lift up and show our soft stuff, our bellies and our hearts, to make the exchange, to show our soft stuff forward, to be able to lift our eyes further into the universe and see ourselves looking back. So from that magic of that structure that's written into ourselves, that's written to the development of our spines, of the ways that we figured out how to like lift up and fall forward into our lives. Like what are the patterns there? What's the intelligent within the rivers underneath the skin, the soft tissue that makes that come alive? So we call those meta patterns. So it's to uncover that pattern, that intelligence that's been wriggling its way through us to lift our eyes what is that intelligent language inside of us? And then the movements that we create are, those can evolve underneath that vision. How to undo the things that keep us from those inherent patterns so we can more fully express ourselves. So I just wanted to say that. So at least I felt like I said a little bit about movement. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> No worries. Like I told you, like this, this thing is completely like, like I was not expecting anything. I was just going with the flow and I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful for how deep this conversation went and how, what kind of points it pointed out. And yeah. And everyone also just what you just right now said, like, you're totally right. You know, it's, 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 this is the thing. Like, I think so many things are so obvious. Renee, but that's, so and, and that's obvious. the whole thing. That's, that's two things. It's just, that's first, you know, why I find my job eyes. so silly because I just, it really is. I talk about myself, like the emperor's new clothes, like that little kid that just for some reason is looking around. is like, why is everybody saying that the emperor has clothes? I don't get it. I don't get it. And nobody's saying anything, but why? 
But then it was like that little kid, being a little kid, had the courage to raise his hand and be like, the emperor is naked. But you're right. And then as soon as that little kid raised his hand, is like, guys, the emperor's got no clothes. He's naked. Then all the adults started being like, he is naked. Wait a second. He's naked. Oh, my God. But that was so obvious and so simple and so right in front of us that we've forgotten how to look. And that is, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing of it. You, you nailed it right there. There's nothing else to do instead of seeing what's right in front yeah. of us. But that's tricky because we're always seeing through our projections. So to get almost on, around yeah. our own projections, around our own images, almost requires this going inside first to realize that we can't get around our images. We can't get around um, our images of how the world is, our language, the language that we think in the culture in which we were raised, our ideas. But once you understand that this stuff is all going on inside you, then that same thing, then you can play, then it loses power, then the solidity of it starts to soften. So you can start to peek through that curtain. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's just like, I think the more and more you, yes, you see clearly, the more and more you start, you just see that you just start laughing. Like not because, because it becomes hilarious. Like, how crazy you've been trapped or yeah, whatever, however you want to call it. It's just like, so. And that's, and that's absolutely, like, there's yeah, that old Zen, Zen like, saying, which is exactly that. It says, when you really realize how things yeah. are, there's nothing left to do except to throw your head back and laugh. It, it's that thing. There's that's, there's a scene at the end of, of the last samurai, the Tom Cruise version of the last samurai yeah. where he's holding his, his friend and in, in his hands and his friend has been, um, his friend is dying yeah. and, and he's had this poem in his mind about um, cherry blossoms, um, and this beautiful trees in the background. And he's having a hard time finishing this poem. And he's like, you can spend your whole life just looking for the one perfect cherry blossom. You can spend your whole life looking, you know, but I'm having a hard time finishing this poem. And then at the end of the movie, when Tom Cruise is holding him and, and he's about to die, and, and it's actually a really beautiful scene of, of the fulfillment of his life. Um, so there's, it's, it's not really sad. But then there's this um, or a cherry blossom tree behind them and all the, all the flowers are falling down. And he just looks up into Tom Cruise's eyes and he just has this gasp. And you could just see this ecstatic understanding, that moment that he fully yeah. gets it. And he's like, they're all perfect. And it's like, ah, oh, you can spend your whole life looking for the perfect one. But when you realize the truth of that moment, yeah. they were all perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so interesting. It's, it's like, it, it's all meant to be. I can feel that already. Um, like I was, I was walking the rich walk on two days ago and I was walking the rich walk and I was walking up and, and I was just sitting there and I was watching, I was watching the moon mm. and I could see the beautiful Bali sky, you know, like this watercolor kind of pink, yellowish, orange, blue. And I was watching there and I was, I don't know why I was just sitting there. And then there was like a knowing and it was not a thought, you know, it's just mm -hmm. like something from deep within. And, and it just said to me, like, everything is perfect the way it is. And, and I was sitting there and I, and at yeah. one point I was, I was walking back towards my scooter 
and I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't stop laughing because it was definitely a change within myself, a realization or uh, like something that just popped up or a knowing which I explore, like um, explored, like the, I don't know what it was, but I was just there and I was like, what, what? why do you make yourself so crazy? Why do you think you have to do all those kind of things? Why why do you have to do this yeah. and this and this Absolutely. and all those things? And I was like, man, you, you, you go insane. You go insane. Like, and it was yeah. just like a very, and so I know the movie, I know Last Samurai and I, yeah. So you saying this, like it brought me back to the, yes. to the actual scene, which is, which is definitely very beautiful. Um, to get to the last point, like um, someone was talking about um, the core and then slash hollow belly. I'm not sure if when you both you when you use those two different things, if you're talking about the same. Because one question was, what is the power of the hollow belly? And then how can we learn to live from the core in the same way it's, we can learn? To I'll, I'll, I'll try to take them. I'm not sure if, if those uh, kind of the, questions they're are really good questions. And, and the core is one of those. One of those words um, that, especially in, in fitness circles okay. and and even in yoga, um, engage the core and, and what people mean by core is uh, has very different meanings. Usually, it has yeah. uh, the the meaning of of it being the abs, usually or or somewhere. Even if it's not the abs, even if they're talking about obliques and and muscles. Even when I start for a movement person, even when I start using anatomical terms, there's I almost get it like a little disheartened because the dry words of anatomy can never really touch the magic of what's actually going on, but mm. it's the words that we have. Um, so when I talk about core in the way that, that we move, the core is, is a central place. And the core, we're talking about the physical core. We're talking about the physical components of the body. Um, the core starts from the inner feet all the way through the inner legs, through the inner thighs and into um, the pelvic floor. And from the pelvic floor, it splits it splits and it comes up the pubic bone. And when it comes up the pubic bone, it goes, um, it gets a little bit of abs, but then it goes continuously through the transverse abdominis and then it, it on the front and it connects to the, to the diaphragm on the front and it goes up underneath, like to the inside of the rib cage and it connects into the bag that holds the, pl the, the pleura that holds the lungs and the heart. And then it comes up through the front of the throat and then it does the same thing as it gets to the pelvic floor. It has this other connection that goes through the back of the pelvic floor and it takes the front of the, of the, the diaphragm, the crura of the diaphragm that are connected to the front of the spine. And it runs up the, fr the, the front of the spine all the way mm. up, 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 up through the back of the neck. And that's a core. So it's not this area right in the middle where you can squeeze your belly and engage your core. A lot of times what we're doing when we're doing that is we're doing a superficial thing. We're taking something that's very superficial in the body, which is the abdominals. The abdominals are more on the superficial layer. We, the way that we think of the body, we think that the body on the inside is almost like this hollow thing. And inside the hollow thing, there's like ropes there's like ropes and chains and, you know, and, and it's, it's not really like that. Mm. What's going on on the inside is you can almost imagine sheets of fabric. Yeah. It's, this is going to be a very um, rough uh, description, but you can imagine sheets of flat fabric. 
And these sheets of flat fabric go one on top of the other. So there's layers yes. to this. So the abdominals are some of the superficial layers. And the superficial layers are meant more for dynamic movement. The core is meant to hold our center steady. So if you can imagine this center balloon, because you notice how the core, when I said it, it has a front, it has a back, and it has sides. So the core, instead of thinking it as this muscle or this sheet, at the inside, at our center, it's almost this balloon. And on the inside of the balloon is the, the organs, and there's the connection in this balloon is between the rib cage and the shoulders and the pelvis and the legs underneath and there's this balloon in the center but then the balloon has feet that go all the way up into the chest and neck and it has feet that go all the way down through the inner thighs and into the inner feet so when i'm talking about core i'm talking about that whole cylinder one way that it's cool to think about it is if you bring your legs all the way together the, the way that they might have been when let's say you were a fish back back a few million years ago when you were a fish, you didn't have two legs. It was just one thing. So if you look, if your legs were just one thing, if you think like yeah. you're a mermaid and you evolved as a mermaid and your legs were just one thing, you could see how the center between your legs would be this continuation of this core cylinder that goes all the way into your pelvis. So when I'm talking about core, it's that center cylinder that most deepest mm. layer of muscle and connective tissue at our center. And that deepest layer is meant to hold us almost like a balloon. It's not meant to compress and squeeze in, but it's meant to expand into something called intra. It's intra abdominal, but to me, it would almost be intra body pressure mm -hmm. that with the use of the diaphragm in that inner cylinder, in that inner balloon, when you engage the diaphragm and the connections are made well, and we've undone all the compensations that keep us from connecting there. Once you inflate your diaphragm and your rib cage it inflates this whole center cylinder it puts an elastic almost like you're pulling these rubber bands apart in the center elastic cylinder right at our middle and that center is meant to bend but it holds us there and you can imagine the spine or organs floating and decompressed and being pulled long floating in this center and that's the core and then the muscles on the outside, the layers that are wrapped around this center mm. are allowed, when this center holds, the outside layers are meant to spiral and spin and dance around this balloon center. Does that make sense? So what, so what happens a lot of times is we disconnect from this center cylinder for whatever reason. It could be injury, yeah. um, lifestyle, um, movement practice, um, uh, overworking to try to force ourselves to do something that our core is not strong enough. So we recruit the, the layers on the outside more to do it. And we start to overstrengthen the outside, which means that the inside starts to disconnect more and more because the job's being taken up by the outer layers, by the more superficial muscles and connective tissue. And the more that that happens, there's less mobility. Because now the stuff that's meant to mm. dance and spiral and, and, and express ourselves in the world fluid and beautifully, now those muscles are holding our bones together because now our body feels disintegrated and disconnected and unsafe because we're not being held by this steady, like connected, hugging core, expansive, bouncing, fluid, elastic core. And since that's not on, we're like, wait a second, we've got to hold on to our lives. We've got to hold on to our bodies. 
um, almost anxiously in order to keep our, our bodies from like bleh or our joints from dislocating when we reach our arm out. And it's my little superficial mm -hmm. rotator cuff or my abdominals that are keeping my low back from, from fucking up or my feet squeezing that are keeping my knees safe. Where we start to use the outer things hold us steady. When the core is connected, the movement on the outside can be fluid and easy and safe. So that's what I'm talking about, core. And when we're talking about living from this place, I don't know how far I have to go into this metaphor because it's not a metaphor. It's very similar. It's what we've been talking about this whole time, right? It's, it's moving from the outside, moving from, well, I want to be better. I want to be a spiritual person. So let me find an outward practice. Let me put on the right outfits. Let me do the meditation practice. Let me buy, you know, seven steps to, to being fucking awesome or whatever it is. And we start to do the outside superficial stuff. And the more that we do the outside superficial stuff and we rely on, do I look like a yogi? Do I sound like one? Am I not cursing? Do I speak soft enough? What do I look like when I'm teaching in front of the room? Am I picking the right practices? The more that we're worried about that superficial stuff, I need to say the right things. I need to practice nonviolent communication. I need to have the right hashtags. Instead of trusting whatever's inside, I'm not thinking so strongly. So I'm going to say something from that place and then see because I'm no longer identified so much with that practice or speaking in a certain way or looking at a certain way. So now when that softness on the outside of the practice needs to be this way starts to soften and I start to not look at myself as someone that I need to fix or break in like a wild Mustang or someone that if there aren't laws in place or if I don't, if I don't control myself, I might go out and rape my own grandmother. If, if that stops and I see myself as something magical and special and giggly and weird because this whole experience about being alive is just fucking weird. Let's be honest. It's weird. This gooey wetness that we are, this, that we make weird sounds and we fart and we yeah. sneeze and, <laughs> and fluids come out and we cut our hair and that stuff grows back, but we cut other things and they don't grow back. Like, it's just fucking weird. Like the whole thing is weird. We're in the, the weirdest, coolest movie. So letting ourselves not hold who we think mm -hmm. we should be so strongly on the outside. We're allowed to drop down deeper into a steadier place. And it's that place of magic on the inside that doesn't need you to hold on so strongly. That you can let go and allow yourself to be free and play and weird on the outside. Without worrying so much that you have to hold on to some idea, some image of who you think you need to be. Or somehow the magic thing you are is going to fall apart. It won't. Yeah. Um, here's here's yeah, one thing to add. Here's one thing to add. If anything, yeah. uh, there's nothing talking about add. this, and I'm glad every time someone yeah. asks me to talk about it, I appreciate it because I have a difficult okay. time saying these things yeah. in a few words, and that's always what someone wants to do or ask me to do when I'm teaching a workshop or or I'm or <laughs> it's like all right, they send me a marketing brief, and it's like all right, tell me in two sentences what this is about and what you're going to teach people, and I'm like. I, 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 
yeah, I get very kind of frustrated and I don't know what to do about that. Um, uh, Moshe Feldenkrais, if you guys don't know who Moshe Feldenkrais is, an amazing person. Um, yeah, uh, he, he was uh, 50s and 60s, uh, Israeli uh, movement guy, um, incredible, but it was a very, it, it's looked at as more of a pro- uh, practice for old people, but it's not, it's a beautiful practice. But one of the things that he said, it's, it's like trying to find the right words to give someone the experience of tasting a mango. And it's, it's an impossibility. The most that I could do is maybe excite you to taste a mango for yourself, of picking it up, of taking the time, of giving yourself the time instead of just looking at the mango and being like, yeah, I heard what Carlos said, or I know what my teacher. Sorry, guys. Um, we had a little technical issue, and it was just the app. Carlos, it was not your Wi-Fi. Um, ah, okay. So we were at the at the mango. You were talking about that it's hard to actually explain the experiencing the experience of tasting a mango, the taste of a mango. Right, right, absolutely. I, the magic, the magic of it. It doesn't matter how good my my words are, mm. but the magic of it is in in taking that mango and peeling the skin off and and biting into it and feeling uh, the juices running down your lips and the explosion of flavors in your tongue and the smells. That's what the magic of that is, not, not in, in the pretty words, even if someone's description of it is, is perfect. There's no way that that will ever even touch on that. And if anything, let these words or your teacher's words be an inspiration for you to pick that thing up instead of looking outwards and saying, well, I've seen the mango. The mango is for others. I understand it so well because I read what someone 2,000 years ago said about a mango then i then i must understand because any kind of of enlightenment any kind of spiritual understanding any kind of ecstasy of life of from from Gautama buddha to jesus to Lao Tzu to to whoever you want to put it all came through one of these physical bodies through one life through one experience so that same magic that allowed them to see that is the same magic that's flowing right underneath your skin right now. Beautifully said, Bernard. Beautifully said. Um, I would love... I have two more questions. Um, sure. Or the guys, like the followers, they have two more questions. So the, the other question was, what is the power of the hollow belly? Mm. Okay, so when we were talking about the core... That, that core connection between the inner feet that runs all the way through the inside of the legs, through the belly, and, and through the throat. One of the things that, that, that we talk about is these patterns on the outside, these compensation patterns on the outside that can disconnect the core and have our superficial muscles, the outside muscles, the outside parts of ourselves hold more. So what the hollow belly does, it's one of the cues that we use. It's one of the set of, of actions that we use. There's, there's a few different ones. It's, it's a way to, to place the body, to soften the extra tensions and put the body in a place where those superficial muscles can soften, those places where the superficial muscles are holding and pulling the bones into a place that doesn't allow us to connect to that deeper place. So the way that we talk about the hollow belly, how to place the pelvis, how to soften this back, how to soften the front of the ribs, where to lengthen, where to, where to place the body, 
it's a way to soften the superficial layers and sit back into that deeper place, to have that deeper place instead of engaging it, to have it automatically turn on, to have that intelligence be like, oh my God, I'm back and here I am. Because if you're ever having to engage a muscle, something is already missing. That's not the language that our system understands. Our system understands a much more simple language of, I want to do that, or I want to get that, or I want to go there. It doesn't understand, you know, engage gluteus medius, you know, soften the QL, engage the transverse mm. abdominus. It's, it's not that language. If we're doing that, that means that there's something within the intelligent relationships underneath the skin that's not turning on immediately. And it's forcing this extra layer of tension in order to force the body somewhere. The idea is to allow this intelligence to come up. So within the hollow belly to soften the front and bottom of the pelvis back and to soften the front of the ribs back. There's other things that go on there. You know, there's, there's different things. It's, it's a way to untie the extra superficial tensions and then let the body slide back. So the intelligent core, that intelligent center place without quote unquote engaging it mentally starts to light up. And then the more that that light lights up, the more the outer layers, whether or not you quote unquote stretch them, all of a sudden, the body's like, oh, I'm being held in a much safer place. This is where I want to be held. So all of a sudden, my shoulder and my neck don't need to squeeze as much as they were before because now they feel safe. Now the nervous system feels safe to let those places go and soften because it feels the control and the protection underneath. If, if someone's got the head going way forward, but the body feels like this is where the head needs to be in order to stay up and stay safe and, and not fall over. It doesn't matter how much you massage somebody's neck. The nervous system is going to say, I, I need that tension to stay up. It's yeah. super smart. Your, your body's super smart. It's going to be like, well, that's great, but nothing else is holding you up right now. So if the neck's what's holding you up, we're going to squeeze and we're going to hold that tension there. And we're going to prevent mobility in your shoulder because your mm -hmm. shoulder is what's holding your arm into your body. And if that's the truth of the relationships that are going on underneath, then that, that tension will never let go. So when the hollow belly is how to get into that deeper connection, we, we have different things like this from the feet all the way up through the neck. But the part that people find fascinating is that part in the middle because it's that part that has the least bony structure, right? It's mm. that's the place where all our soft stuff is held. And if you're talking um, emotionally, yeah. In, in, our, in our fight and flight, I don't even like using those words, but it's, it's the place, I, I talked about it earlier, it's the place that we need to protect because we've stood up, right? So we don't yeah. have armor or the ground underneath us. So whenever we're in fear or trauma or whatever that is, something happens, there's some bearing down on the front to squeeze, to protect, to whatever it is. So there's a lot of compensations, a lot of protection, a lot of rewiring and, and bearing down and armoring that happens in the place between our rib cage and our pelvis. So it's a place that most of us have overridden the intelligent magic of the body and are just bearing down and basically just saying, you know what, we need to protect this. So I'm just going to squeeze everything somewhere in order to hold myself safe. 
And then there's usually a pain associated with that. So there's another squeeze somewhere else to try to protect ourselves from that pain, which leads to somewhere else in the body being in pain or, or immobile. Mm -hmm. And then there's another squeeze to compensate. So yeah. as you're doing this over 50 years, 20 years, 30 years, all of a sudden there's all these places in the body that are band-aids trying to keep you safe. So the hollow belly is a way to, to start to undo those knots and to put the relationship back into the core, into that center place between what's above and what's below to connect that because it really is the stance of your left leg is connected to your right arm and there's a deep place where there's a pulsing and moving and how to get back into that deep place. So the hollow belly, it's not the only one, but it's, mm. it's a special one. It's, it's one where people feel it. Um, usually they feel its difficulties pretty quickly and they feel mm. where they're holding pretty quickly. So they're either feeling like, wow, I can't take my ribs back at all. There's something holding me so strongly that I can't do that. Or I can't take my pubic bone back or I can't take this. Or it's like, and it's not like, Ooh, that's wrong. But that question of like, ah, what's going mm -hmm. on there? What's holding and why? And what does that feel like? And is it my nervous system or is it a muscle or, you know, do I not feel? So that's where the questions begin. So that's the beginning of it. But it's, again, it's like, it's like telling me what's yeah. so special. It's like asking me what's so special about a mango. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Do you have like, do you have any kind of like, do you share that hollow belly practice somewhere or? Yes, actually, the, the best place that we're sharing right now, and it's, it's something we've done really recently, and I'm, and I'm really excited about it because um, it, it, it has a lot of people that are, that are into the weirdness of this uh, in, in one place. But we, I, I definitely share uh, things on Instagram. I share stuff on, um, on Facebook. But for right now, the, the platform where we share the most and, and we have you know, two-hour workshops, 20-minute you know, short classes, talks on different parts of the body, myofascial release stuff, self-touch stuff is in, um, is in our Facebook group. It's in the uh, Fluidus Magicians Facebook group. I, right? I will link that. I will link that in the descriptions okay. down below that the, and, and all like your account and even like if you have any recommendations of books or something they, they, should, they should like look up to. I will definitely like link that all down. So no worries Absolutely. about because I, I'm part of the group too. Great. Perfect. Um, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the last. I, yeah. Oh, I was, I was just going to say that I, I like that group a lot because we're not as much at the mercy of an algorithm. Um, I'll still share in other places, but, but to have all of these things be in one place, because to me, this isn't, it'd be nice if there was, okay, a step one, a step two, a step three, but like the image for me in classes like this and learning like this, there is no, here's the beginning of it. It's, it's a garden. It's an infinite garden. It's an infinite playground. And, and you kind of get dropped into the middle of this playground and you just look around and it's like, okay, what's fascinating to me? Wow, that stream over there. Let me go over there and learn what I can there. It's like, oh my God, that tree. So to move like this and to study like this and to learn like this, it is this, this ability to have a place where it is a garden where you pick something and, and that's your entry into, into the garden of your body today so that's that's the place that's most special to me of of sharing something but but anything works facebook instagram youtube works that's cool. that's cool that's amazing that's amazing and you beautifully explained that um what you just said about the garden um the cool. last question when are you writing a book <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, um I'm, I'm, it's it's kind of that same thing about the garden right it's like it's i have 
probably enough to write more than I want to right now. But it is almost this overwhelming thing of a decade of research and questioning and dead ends and and concepts and understandings. And it really is almost the trying to get out of the way of what is it that I want to say in this mm-hmm. in this first one? Because it's impossible to have all of this be. So it, it is me. It's it's started, it's begun, and I'm just trying to make it um small enough because you've heard as you've asked me questions i can very easily just go into that garden and just kind of get lost so to so to bring it back down into something that's that's as long as just one book is is where it's it's where it's starting but i'm hoping to have something done by the end of this year and i really think it's going to be like kind of a conversation like this like just the messy beginnings to these rambling questions and it will be like just a book about fascination and wonder and getting someone into the magic of themselves. And then later on, we'll start to flesh out some of the more nuances, but I I think that'll be coming out later this year. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm really looking forward and I'm pretty sure a lot of people too. Oh my God. Like Carlos, to be honest, um, that was a beautiful conversation and I'm really, really grateful for all the insights you shared and, for everything, for all the rabbit holes we went down and actually just spent some time there to bring some light into the, you know, not the darkness, but into some corners which which are hidden to a, or not hidden, but which are unknown to a lot of people. Right. And even for, my, even for myself. So I'm even, yeah, like, like I said, I'm always super, super excited and super grateful for everyone I have on the show. And I'm really, really grateful for having you. Um, it was a real pleasure, and I'm pretty sure every single listener um, will say the same. So, yeah. Thank you, like, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was, um, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it was the the, the pleasure was uh, was mine. It was it was weird. I'm I'm always wondering how long these these things are going to be. But when we're talking about someone, I, I have the phone on a tripod, and as we've been talking, I've been getting close. I have headphones on, but I've been getting closer and closer to the phone, almost like more engaged, more in. Um, but thank you so much. It's 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 been an honor, and I'm glad. I'm glad that you uh, that you caught me in, in Ubud, and we've been after this for a year, and we got to talk. And I'm hoping this won't be the last time. I, I definitely um yeah enjoyed this greatly. Um- I'm I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the last time. Cool. Brother, thank you so much um, for this awesome conversation and create a beautiful day. Awesome, my friend. You too. We'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. Yes. Bye. Bye.